We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, and from time to time through this study, I like to not really veer off, but talk some practical applications of the principles that we've been learning uh, through the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus has been teaching about true righteousness what it looks like to be a follower of God and what it looks like to belong in the kingdom of God. Probably no better time to talk about how to apply those concepts than in a time like this when us approaching a national election. Uh, It seems like every four years we have, I think we all get the... um, Uh, election exhaustion where we're all just like I'm ready for it not to be on TV I'm ready to no longer get all the mailers I used to hardly get any mail now all of a sudden I'm very popular in my mailbox and uh, you're just kind of ready for it to all settle down and and, and get back to those things and it's the time of year probably especially in the next week where we'll hear hear statements of you know if this candidate wins I'm moving to Canada if this candidate wins it's the end of the world as we know it Uh, all those kinds of things I've been alive long enough to hear these things said every four years now, uh, and it just kind of cycles on and cycles on. I do think, though, it would perhaps be accurate to say that at least within my own uh, lifetime of watching elections and watching politicians, that this season seems to be more emotionally charged and more anger charged uh, than I've probably ever seen in my particular lifetime. Uh, it's been quite sad and fascinating all at the same time to observe uh, how our country and how people of uh, different beliefs and values are handling one another and dealing one, with one another during this time. So what I want to talk about then this morning is not particularly about next Tuesday, but actually to talk about next Wednesday. What are we supposed to do as Christians in this kind of environment? And how are we as Christians supposed to behave when we see these kinds of things going on around us as the news is filled with it in an emotional and anger-charged time of year? And especially, how are we going to handle these things when we wake up Wednesday morning and find out who our new president is going to be, as well as all the other government officials that are being voted in at this time? And so we're looking then at First Peter chapter 2, if you haven't turned there already. First Peter chapter two, because Peter is writing to these Christians. And I think what he tells them to do and how they are to behave as Christians in the environment that they live in is particularly fascinating as well as is useful to us today. Verse 13 of first Peter two, be subject For the Lord's sake to every human institution. And that right out of the gate, I think, is perhaps a pretty shocking statement. I want you to accept the authority of every human ruling power and to submit yourself to those ruling powers. And I think it's almost as if Peter knew that those Christians in the first century would read that and go, Really? Wait a minute, don't you know who's ruling? Don't you know who our leaders are? Don't you know who's in charge that he would say? Then the rest of verse 13, 
whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And what God does is he says, I'm not giving you a theoretical where I want you to obey the governing authorities and I want you to subject yourself to every human ruler and every human institution so long as the rulers are Christian and they always do what is right and moral and good. Because <laughs> I think we'd probably have the tendency if you just read, now be subject to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human. Okay. But then you bring up whether it be to the emperor as supreme. We believe that this first letter by the Apostle Peter was written in the early 60s AD, which would squarely put Emperor Nero as the ruling emperor over the Roman Empire. And I just cannot help but think what a jarring statement it would be to say, yeah, I'm including him. I want you to submit to him. And any of you have watched any History Channel, Discovery Channel, learned any of it in college or high school about the Roman emperors or remember any of our studies through the book of Revelation and looking at those Roman emperors, they were not the uh, epitome of virtue. (laughs) They were not people who were seeking the well-doing of God and seeking the ways of God. They were not righteous people. They were not moral people. They were not good people. And yet even still, notice the Apostle Peter says, I want you to subject yourself to them. I want you to submit to every human institution. And he reminds us of why this would be. And he does it in Romans 13 that we'll look at in a moment. But the reason behind this is that when we rebel against human authority, we are rebelling against God. And I don't know that we always look at it that way. But God constantly tells us, I want you to submit to the rulers. I want you to yield to the governing authorities. And it's not just simply the institutions. He uses here in 1 Peter, he speaks of the king or emperor, whether he is supreme, to submit to him. And verse 14, and to the various governors, the various rulers that were over those various provinces throughout the Roman Empire, wherever you lived and who you would be under at that time. I want you to submit to them as well. The Apostle Peter said, I mean, Apostle Paul said in first in Romans 13, verse one, let let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. These were not optional words or a good idea of what Christians should do in theory. 
God has put these rulers in place and you are to submit to them. You are to yield to yield to them. For if you resist them, you are resisting God for God has appointed them. And if you resist them, then there is a judgment that is going to be incurred. In fact, Peter does the same thing in verse 14 when he says to governors and you may underline as sent by him. God sent them. As sent by Him. And we saw that very study when we looked in Daniel chapter 4. What did Nebuchadnezzar have to learn? God is supreme. And that God is the one who causes the rise and fall of nations and the rise and fall of kings. And constantly God is trying to drive into the minds of His people that God is supreme and that God rules over the affairs of the world. And that we then are to yield to these authorities and yield to the rulers and yield to those who are in charge that we are to be subject to them. I believe this is when where the practice of faith comes in. And you see that in verse 13. Why are you subject to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to do these tasks? You do it for the Lord's sake, he says. The reason why you submit is that you are doing it for God. And notice the basis that undergirds this in verse 15. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, did Peter just go off on a tangent there and start talking about a completely different idea? Subject yourself to the human institutions. And oh, by the way, make sure you do your good deeds. And we'll talk about good deeds now for a minute. How is he talking about that you would do the will of God and do good? By submitting to the human authorities and rulers and powers. And notice the process that he describes is what you are doing is you will do good. You will submit to these rulers. And in the process of doing that, he says that you would put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And you try to read into that and go, what was going on in the first century that you would have this problem? But it seems to me that there is a picture of there's a problem that we don't want Christians to look like that they're trying to overthrow the authorities. And you have these foolish people who are saying that's what Christians are trying to do is they rebel against these authorities and they rebel against these rulers. And he says, that's not the will of God. You do good while you submit to these rulers. You continue to do what is right, that we are not to cause Christians. Christianity to be discredited in any way by not submitting to those who rule over us. It is a reminder then about where our hope lies and in whom do we put our trust. Because God is saying, I want you to do this for my sake. This is my will that you do this. Twice he does that. Verse 13, for the Lord's sake. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. This is what you have been called to do. And we are being called then to submit and to put our hope in God that God is in charge and I will trust in him. And therefore I will yield to these authorities. It reminds us 
in all of the fervor that goes on in our political climate right now, that we are not here to believe that if we just had the right person get in, we would now have heaven on earth and it would just make everything all better. We are supposed to be showing people that in these times, your eyes need to go to God. That God is the only place for hope. That God is the only one who can solve this. That God is the place that we put our hope, we put our trust, we put our faith. Everything is about Him. Our hope is not in a particular individual that, well, if we get Him, that will solve our county or solve our state or solve our nation or any of those kinds of things. Our concern is to show people the light in the darkness. We must point out to people, this is a dark world. This is a nation and a society and a culture that is turning further and further away from God. And as Christians, we will shine light upon that equally, whoever it is. And I think it's important that we recognize that we do not discredit the cause of Christ. Because in our political fervor or interest, we want to only highlight the sinfulness of one person and not the other. Because when we like these these particular economic policies or social policies or whatever policies that we get so much interest out of. And so we won't point out this is what sin is. And sin is sin. And darkness is darkness, no matter who you are. We must be willing to show that to the world. We must be willing to tell people that this is about God. And we must then explain to them that this is the way of God to do right. And these are the things that are sin. And this is the way that God has called us to go. And therefore we then will show good and do good and speak good in the face of evil. Even if evil is the government. I think that's what's so fascinating about First Peter 2. You have a very wicked government. That Peter then tells them and says, I want you to do good in the face of that evil. I want you to practice that while you live under those circumstances. And in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, how often is God telling us that? I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good. I want you to turn the other cheek. I want you to behave as a Christian. And Peter's just taking all of those concepts and says, that also includes the government as well. I want you to live for God. And notice how he does that in verse 16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. But living as servants of God. You have a freedom. Don't use that freedom To do evil, to speak evil, to no longer behave or speak in a way that represents Christ, because that's why we're here. We represent Christ. 
That's who we represent. That's who we follow. That's where our allegiance lies. And it doesn't matter what our society is, what our culture is, what our economic situation is. It doesn't matter if we were under a dictatorship. It doesn't matter if we're a full democracy, if we're a republic, whatever it is. We represent Christ. If we become completely socialism, if we are completely capitalist, if we are completely under the scourge of who knows what other nation one day, we represent Christ. It doesn't matter what the climate is, we're always supposed to represent Christ. This is why being a Christian in the first century was so difficult. Remember what's happening in the first century as you move to the later part of that. And what happens in the second century and the third century for Christians. Because they represent Christ, a persecution begins. Because they will not bow the knee to the emperor and they will not worship him as Revelation depicts. Because their allegiance stays to Christ through and through, they begin to suffer, and they suffer severely. And the Apostle Peter is reminding us of that. We submit to these rulers because we serve a higher power, and we serve a higher ruler. We have a greater king. That we recognize that it is Jesus that is on the throne. And that He is in charge and that He is pictured on the throne, ruling the world, ruling the nations. That is what sets our hearts and our minds at ease to begin to submit and obey. is because we know that God is on the throne because God is ruling. And therefore, being Christians means we cannot act dishonorably. We cannot speak dishonorably, whether it be toward God or toward other people. And I think that's particularly true when we talk about candidates and we talk about elections and we talk about politics and all of these kinds of things. That the way we speak and the way we act cannot begin to discredit God. I want you to notice this over in Matthew 17, because Jesus does something here that we might have missed. I know I've missed this, and so I was so intrigued by this, because what Jesus does here is, is just fascinating in dealing with the authorities. Matthew 17, 24. So when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Now, wouldn't the rest of this then be Jesus saying, therefore, Since the sons are free, we're not paying taxes. I have come and I've just proven to you that we have no basis by which we need to respond to what this guy, this tax collector has to say. And we will not do that. We will not yield for a minute. Notice what he says. However, not to give offense to them. 
Go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Why Jesus do that? Do not give an offense. And Jesus could have said, hey, this is the way it is. Bring all those guys who have a question in here and I'll teach them. I, I'm the son of God. I am the king. We, we don't have to do this. And he goes, but we don't want to give an offense. That is a very important principle that the apostle Peter is getting at here. That as we live as people who are free, we are not using our freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. That what we do and how we talk to our neighbors and how we talk to co-workers and how we deal with people in the world, that what we are always doing is living as servants of God, that we are always showing God. We're not praising evil. We're not overlooking evil. We are showing God when we communicate. And we are showing that through our submission to the rulers and we are speaking and acting in such a way so that we silence the ignorance of foolish people. Do you see what Peter is saying is that even in this kind of climate, Christians are to be different. We are supposed to behave different, speak different, look different and not look like everybody else in the world because we don't want them to speak of us like they speak of one another. We're supposed to be different. And so silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now listen to how this plays out. Verse 17. Number one. Honor everyone. Who's excluded from that? Honor everyone. Does that mean I don't have to honor my neighbor? I don't have to honor my coworker. Who is excluded from the command that we honor everyone? Of all the times, this is a time when we do not malign people and we don't tell them they're idiots because they think thus and so, or they did such and such, or they believe the certain way. Honor everyone. Speak with kindness, respect to all people. We are not given the license in all of the fury that happens. And in this final week, it'll probably just get to a boiling point to jump into the fray and maliciously speak about other people or candidates or rulers or authorities or people who think certain ways about those people. In the midst of saying submit, be servants of God, do good in the face of evil, live in this way and you live in this freedom, he then turns around and says, now I want you to honor everyone. And how important it is that we show that because our allegiance is to Christ. He is what matters. We sing a song. I, I don't know if we'll sing it tonight. If one, you know, we're having a congregational singing tonight. That's a great song. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. I'm just going to have a knockdown, drag out fight about politics until we go home beyond the blue. 
Is it really not our home or is it? If it's not our home, then we represent Christ and we show our allegiance to him above all else. And we honor everybody in the process and we show kindness and speak well and do good by them. Friends, the world is in darkness. And we are not going to bring people to Christ by calling them idiots. We represent Christ. And the scriptures are very plain. Romans 1, Ephesians 4. They're darkened in their understanding. They don't understand the ways of God. It is up for us to show them the light. Show them what God wants. Show them what God commands. Show them what is sin, what is holy, what is right, what is good. To speak about those things to others. Number two, verse 17. Love the brotherhood. In this context of submitting to governments and dealing with human institutions and authorities and the freedom that we have, we are reminded that we must not forget to love each other. In this room, we are not Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians, Green, or any of these other things. We're the family of Christ. And we're belonging together and we serve King Jesus together. And it's important to remember who we are and remember to whom we belong. Love the brotherhood, love one another, care for one another and work in that kind of relationship. Friends, our desire from what we've looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, our desire should be that God is glorified through us, regardless of who is governing over us. We just got done looking at the model prayer. May your name be holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Three prayers right there that express our desire for God to be glorified through any circumstance. Whatever happens, we want God glorified by what we say, by what we do, and in particular, how we act on Wednesday, November 9th. That we look like Christians and we don't put our hope here. Number three, fear God. Verse 17, fear God. If there's anything that we cannot forget is that we cannot forget to fear God. That's what matters most. We fear God. We respect God. We honor God. Let God be at the center of everything we say and at the center of everything we do, especially in this kind of tense political climate. Before we post something online, before we make a comment to our neighbor, before we say something to our coworker, before we vote, before we do anything, ask yourself, is this showing our fear of the Lord? Fear God by what you do. Fear God by what you say. Fear God by what you post. Fear God by everything that you do. Show the fear of God. We must reflect that and not get caught up in what's going on in our nation. Finally, verse 17, honor the emperor. 
or to put that in 2016, honor the president. You think that was easy for them? So I think you're first thinking about, oh man, that's going to be really hard. Think that was easy for those first century Christians under the reign of Nero? Think that was easy for them with all those different governors that were ruling over the various provinces throughout the Roman Empire? Think, oh yeah, we just roll out of bed just honoring the emperor. Honor the president. We will honor the president because that is what the will of God is. That's what Peter just said. He said, this is God's government. This is God's leader. And we don't honor only when they act honorably or righteously. Because when we read about Emperor Nero or really any of those emperors, it is very difficult to find much anything honorable or righteous about what any of them were doing. And yet he says, you have respect. You respect it because that is God's institution. That is God's government. And we yield to that and we submit to that. And so this is one of the ways that I believe we will look different is that we will carry that honor. We will show honor. We will speak as Christians. We will be light and we will not speak or act maliciously in any way possible. Instead, we will reflect Christ because we are citizens of heaven. Jesus is our king. We've talked many times in our study of Daniel on Wednesday night in particular. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know what's going to happen and what God's trying to accomplish. You can read the days of the judges and the kings and you read such horrible leaders and you go, ah, we see what God was doing. He was bringing about its destruction and judgment. And then you'd also see the rising of kings and rulers that God would use for a massive reformation of the heart that would bring people back to God. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what God is doing in this. But we do know how we are supposed to behave through it. And we do know how we are supposed to act through it. And so in this time, then, what we do is we pray for and we look for God's hand to be at work. Whoever's in charge, whatever country we live in, whoever would be on the throne, whoever rules in whatever circumstance we are in, friends, we will submit, we will honor, we will look like a Christian, we will speak like a Christian, we will post online like a Christian, we will act like a Christian, we will be Christians. That's how you handle the chaos every four years. Is you show people there's a better way. And if you put your hope in a political party to save you, you're doomed. Only God can save. Only God can rescue you. And only God can solve your problems. Amen. Nobody else can. Put your hope in God. We're singing invitation song. And as we sing this, we invite you to see Jesus as the king. Friends, that is what is supposed to be our hope. That's what gives us hope through crisis, through change, through difficulty, is the knowledge that we read 
that God reigns, that Jesus is on the throne. And 1 Corinthians 15 says he will continue to reign and rule until all the enemies are put under his feet. He's in charge. We have nothing to worry about because God's on the throne and he will accomplish his purposes whether it be through the through various leaders and rulers or in spite of various leaders and rulers, God will accomplish His purposes. And we put our hope in Him. And we recognize that our hope and our trust is tied to Him. Would you like to have that confidence and security? Then turn away from the life of sin. Turn away from wickedness. And turn to Jesus with all of your heart. Confess Jesus to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, the Anointed One who came to this earth. And He died for your sins so that you could be set free from sin. So that you could live righteously before Him with the hope of eternity. Isn't it a wonderful thing that we get to be citizens of the Kingdom of God? The whole thing about the Sermon on the Mount is, here's what my citizens look like. Blessed are the, as he begins it, and he starts listing them off. Here's what my people look like. And they're very different from the world. Will you change your heart and change your ways to belong to Jesus this day? Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to enter a relationship with him. Won't you come down and do that while we stand and while we